The readings of Lent are so filled with uh, the ability to sit with them and, and uh, meditate on them. And I think that's part of the reason the church chooses these. Uh, today's parable that we have in our gospel passage, of course, is one that uh, I've, uh, I like to sit with a lot. And, and uh, there's a prayer method called a nation contemplation where you kind of let it play out uh, like a play that you're a participant in, with whatever it is, as a main character or as a side character or a fly on the wall or whatever it is. You use your senses and you pay attention. And every time I do this, I cannot help but see this rich man as Dom DeLuise. This pudgy, short, slightly effeminate, with a little lisp uh, of a man. He dines sumptuously. He's dressed in purple, and this is not, uh, I am aware that we are wearing violet. At least the church uses a different color or a different name for the color, but purple was in the ancient world. Uh, um, the, the clothing of purple was caused by a particular dye of a shellfish, and that particular dye was very, very expensive, so only the richest could wear it. Uh, and normally you didn't have, unless it was a more natural uh, kind of dye, you didn't have a whole lot of colored clothes uh, because it, the dye would kind of wash out. But this particular purple would be bright and lasting. So there he is, eating, drinking. And he's unaware, no, that's not true, unconcerned with this poor man at his door. If, if you paid attention to it, uh, Jesus tells this parable very beautifully. Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus. He knows this poor man's name. And therein we get a sense of this rich man's sin. He is unconcerned with his fellow human beings. He won't even give Lazarus a scrap. He's unconcerned with Lazarus in life. Lazarus, on the other hand, is, has a miserable life. Dogs licking his sores. How poor, how miserable must your life be when that's your only comfort? Lazarus goes to the bosom of Abraham. For us, we might say the gates of St. Peter. Uh, that would be the same kind of image. It's an image for heaven, God's rest. There he is given peace finally in his life. Meanwhile, the rich man is in hell, in, in torment, thirsty, demanding all the same, help me. Well, Abraham doesn't give him an ounce of help. Look, there's a great chasm between us. You can't come over here and we can't go over there. But help me. Send, send Lazarus, notice. <laughs> send Lazarus to my, to my father's house and warn my brothers. No, no, no. They have the prophets. They have Moses. No, no, no. But if somebody from the dead comes back, help me. It's too late. Moses and the prophets, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen to somebody from the, coming back from the dead. And I think therein 
is the challenge for us. That in this life, we are called to help those around us. We are called, uh, uh, as we hear in Matthew 25, to pay attention to the least of these. To, to serve them, not because we see Jesus in them, but to serve them because they are our brothers and sisters. And when we ignore them, the Lord holds us accountable. And this is what Moses and the prophets call us to. And we, we can say, well, gee, you know, maybe if somebody from the dead came back and, and told us, well, Jesus did come back from the dead. And maybe this is exactly why the world, as I reflect, why the world is what it is. Well, wait a minute, Jesus came back from the dead, wouldn't you? Isn't that? But they're so completely unaware of what the Old Testament tells us. So Jesus coming back from the dead means nothing to them. I think there's the problem. There's the challenge for us. Jesus rising from the dead means everything, but only to those who are ready seeking him. During this Lenten season, this is our task, to ask ourselves, are we being like this rich man, unconcerned with those at our, maybe not literally at our door, but unconcerned with those around us, unconcerned with those that are caught in, in cycles of poverty, perhaps, or, or maybe even more importantly for us, because we don't, fortunately, we don't deal too much with severe poverty out here anyway. But how about those caught in cycles of sin? Do we strive to help them? Do we seek to, while we're still alive, to remind them of the law and the prophets, to remind them of the gospel of, of service? Or are we just waiting, concerned with ourselves, dining sumptuously, wearing purple, wearing whatever it is? This is the challenge. Today in that first reading, Cursed is the man who trusts in human beings, who seeks his strength in flesh. And that's not only in the other human beings, but in ourselves. Cursed is a man who trusts in himself. I think that's the problem with this rich man. He trusts in himself. He trusts in his own wealth, his own riches. Meanwhile, Lazarus doesn't. In fact, this is the only parable in which Jesus gives any of the characters a name. When Jesus, when, when the gospel writers record a detail, you've heard me say this before, pay attention. Lazarus means God is my helper. Lazarus's help is not in humanity, but in God. He reminds us this is where our help is too. While there's still life in us, before we cross that great chasm, one way or the other, the Lord is challenging us. Do we cry out to help for him?